right, welcome to Slimehouse, a podcast rated PG for crude humor, outrageous hijinks, and mild language. I am Jasper. I'm Jared. I'm Max. I'm Nelson. And I am Sam, and I am back. Back again for part two of the, the Robert Rodriguez superhero saga. Big Robert Rodriguez fan. So in case you guys didn't pick up on it, we're covering the new Netflix original film, We Can Be Heroes, directed by Robert Rodriguez, which is a spiritual sequel to The Adventures of Sharkboy and Lava Girl, which we covered last week. Welcome to Heroic's headquarters. You will be staying in our underground stronghold. As the children of superheroes, you are all in danger. How are you making that? My mommy is Lava Girl, but my dad is Sharkboy. That's really cool. <laughs> This one centers around a new generation of, of superheroes, the children of Sharkboy and Lava Girl, as well as many other children. But the basic plot of this one is when alien invaders kidnap Earth's clan of superheroes called the Heroics, which is a kind of play on the Avengers, the children of these superheroes must team up and learn to work together to save their parents and save the world. This was, as we mentioned before, uh, like Sharkboy and Lava Girl and most of Robert Rodriguez's work was directed, written, scored, shot, and edited all by Robert Rodriguez. Um, actually, it was produced by Racer Rodriguez, who was his son, who was sort of the creative force behind Sharkboy and Lava Girl. And some of the stars of this movie, Priyanka Chopra, Pedro Pascal, Christian Slater, Soon Kang, the actress that plays Lava Girl reprises her role, but unfortunately, Taylor Lautner does not return <laughs> as Sharkboy. And last, but definitely not least... Christopher McDonald, our first interview subject and a slime regular, appears as the President of the United States. President Neil Anang. <laughs> Which is not an accidental name. That might have been my favorite bit in the movie, but we'll get into that. <laughs> this movie, it, it's funny because it's much more of a superhero movie than Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which kind of speaks to the time we're in right now and kind of what kids really like and the wish fulfillment that is current but i wanted to ask everyone on the subject of wish fulfillment and what you would want um i don't want to ask what superpowers you could have because that's a little too uh ambitious but i want to ask what would be your b level superpower and what i mean by b level is not flying or invisibility or the things that could really drastically change your life but b level superpowers like what are some things that would just make your life a little bit better if you had them i would like to just know and be able to uh, remember any specific piece of information on Wikipedia. No, that'd be a good one. Yeah, the human, <laughs> the human one. Wikipedia. That's how most like super smart genius movie, uh, movie or TV characters are written anyway. So it'd just <laughs> be like that in real life. If someone, if someone were to edit Wikipedia, would it edit your your mind as well? That, that's what my Lex Luthor would do. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm not sure for mine. I know I, I do have a lot of. I have three cats in a pretty small apartment, and I feel like that ends up causing most of the the daily inconveniences I run into. Just clean, cleaning up after them, feeding them, changing the litter box. So I would just want to have some kind of general cat powers, just to, to clean the, the cat owner powers. I guess keep <laughs> cleaning up after cats, feeding them litter box, all with no no effort at all. The funniest answer I've ever heard of this is someone said that they wanted their finger to turn into a USB stick that they could store information on. Um, <laughs> but now I think about that, and I think you need an adapter <laughs> to have that. Uh, so that one's defunct. 
Um, mine is, I wish I could program my sleep. So I wish I could just be able to like set a clock and be like 10 p.m. going to bed, waking up at 6 a.m. or whatever it is and like go. And that's it. That leads into a good idea for mine. I wish I didn't have to sleep. I wish I could or I could only have to sleep for like 30 minutes and that was enough. Or I could like huh. have a battery plug so whenever I'm doing something else, I can just like be charging in lieu of sleep. You don't like dreams? I love dreams, but I, I, I think sleep is one of the biggest wastes of time. Well, I feel, I feel like a good one would be you could, you could choose to sleep if you wanted to, but you only had yes. sleep like uh, there a little we, bit. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a good one. I, I, I could choose to take a nap or I don't have to at all. There's a um, there's a Bond villain uh, in the Brosnan era where that's literally his thing is that he only has to sleep for like one hour. He has like a sleeping magical mask that keeps. So he goes, you know, I'm only wasting my time if I sleep. And so basically you're like him. Is it die another day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Die another day, which is probably the closest to a Slimehouse movie that a James Bond movie ever gets. It's a blast. It's a real garbage blast, but it's a blast. Um, but I kind of thought differently about this this power. Um, my thought is if flying is the A-level, like the, the good superpower, but I'm restricted to only lesser ones, I would choose being able to swim through air. It's like flying, but I'm restricted to only as fast as I can swim. And I look stupid doing it, but you could still, it would still be useful. Yeah. I think that's a, that's, that's a good fair. one. That's a good one. <laughs> you know, I'll say this, Sam, that actually sounds like the superpower of a we can be heroes character. It does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's dive into, to this movie. We already kind of gave some, some more context about kind of what it is. It, it, it feels kind of, as Nelson pointed out, kind of this very, a younger kids version of the Avengers, except all the superheroes are original. Yeah, it's amazing that, I mean, this is very loosely a sequel to Sharkboy, Lava Girl. You don't have to have seen Sharkboy, Lava Girl to see this one. They're not even really aesthetically that similar. It's amazing because it has a very Netflix sheen to it. The special effects are actually pretty good, but I watched this actually during the day, which I don't often do with movies, and it actually kind of added to it because it kind of feels like a Saturday morning type of movie. Sharkboy and Lava Girl, it's sort of incidental that those characters are like superheroes it's more the world get the dream world of that movie that's important but in this i guess you could say it feels like a retcon of shark boy and lava girl and that these are characters that now exist in the real world are recognized as heroes by like everyone around the world and in the first one they're pretty much limited to max's dreams so it feels like this is sort of just taking those characters and putting them in a superhero movie instead of really being a sequel like I, I feel like i think of it much more as just a spin-off at, than a sequel after actually watching it what, one question i had watching this is that are there other characters in this beyond shark boy and lava girl that exist in the troublemaker studios universe then maybe they show up in shorts or another one of his movies i don't believe so i can't speak with like complete confidence but i don't think so at all no but the serial shark bites is in both movies, so <laughs> so it is a sequel. Once there's serial involved, it's it's a true direct sequel. It's a serialized franchise. <laughs> I really felt it's so funny. It is technically it has Lava Girl in it, but I I really felt like it was like a reimagining of Spy Kids with superheroes instead of spies. 
like really hard like like even the the story the like structure of the movie the themes it, it kind of feels like he was asked to which i know that robert Rodriguez was basically asked by netflix to do a netflix film because his movies played so well and it really uh, on netflix and and to me it's kind of like he really went back to the well uh, the Spy Kids well a lot on this. I like that, that. That's my my thought was just like it almost felt like I was getting the the feels that I felt in Spy Kids more than I felt in Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh yeah, I was actually watching Spy Kids too, like the day before I actually watched this one, and I agree, it feels just tonally, plot wise, much more like Spy Kids than Shark Boy and Lava Girl. It just feels like those are the the characters they went with, but overall, much more of the Spy Kids vibe from Rodriguez and anything in because it's just not like a fantasy which I feel like is what's key to Shark Boy and Lava Girls it's like a fantasy movie if you had to give it a genre yeah and there's like a villain compound that they raid and there's like a family element where you know there are generations of families in on the inside and, and there's actually one point where the the score almost like they they de- deliberately do a a variation of the Spy Kids theme where I was like, wait, really? Is that it, like, like it, like there was a moment and I wonder if they like had tempt the Spy Kids theme in there and then kind of got attached to it or something. Yeah. I noticed that too. It's like, cause at the beginning of Spy Kids, it's like the parents have this cool secret job. And then by the end of the film, the kids do it too. Right. And it's, it's just subbing out spies for superheroes in a very obvious way that, yeah, makes it more flavored of Spy Kids than actually of Shark Boy Lava Girl, which is a little bit more of like a dream type movie. I had an interesting thought though, and maybe we can get into this a little bit more later, but to me, this actually almost felt almost too young to be Slimehouse in some way. I think a lot of times when we look at a lot of the Slimehouse movies, they have like something for adults that they can enjoy, something that teenagers can enjoy and that young kids can enjoy. But this one to me almost felt like it was like solely geared towards young kids. It was hard for me to see like an adult like straight up enjoying this unless they are watching it for some scholarly purpose like ourselves. It felt almost too colorful and fun and juvenile and not in a bad way juvenile, just, you know, the spirit being very juvenile to have that kind of snarkiness that a lot of the more slimier movies we've looked at has. That was my thought. Completely agree with that. Like Slimehouse has sort of an edge to it. And I think it's because those movies are targeted towards like, you know, preteens, especially this is like a whole sort of like development stage before that, like the target audience for this movie. I think it's more like, you know, this is like almost a G rated movie, not a PG rated movie. And you know, Slimehouse is rated PG for crude humor. Are we just hijinks? Smile language. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I I wonder if it's the time though, because because with Shark Boy and Lava Girl, the, and again, I disagreed with everyone, but the reason that I felt like there was a little difference between and why it wasn't the primest slime I'd seen was that there was a real earnestness where it really felt like he was trying to spark imagination in kids in a way where a lot of slime feels kind of more like we're selling you something like we're selling you candy because it's like you this feels a little bad it's like a little you know like you, you feel kind of it's there's like a punk thing to it and shark boy and lava girl had some of that but it felt more a product of its time and like kind of incidental whereas like in this one it's coming out in a time where we don't have as much of that or at least it's not as mainstream in my opinion and and so i think there's just less of it but it it had the same like 
really earnest, like he really wants kids to use their imaginations and work together and find themselves. And so I, I agree, but I, I don't think it was that different from Sharkboy uh, in, in its spirit, I guess. Perhaps just the they didn't have as many, for me at least, I'll be curious what y'all think. It didn't have as many of the kind of gags that are feel slimehouse it had some dialogue and and a couple of the superpowers felt very slimy but in general it didn't have a lot of that crude humor and stuff and that's why i i feel like it had more in common with like power rangers on tv or something that you'd see in that way that i don't really consider primetime slime but i but but sort of is like parallel to the way slimehouse works and i think that's just a byproduct of like netflix probably need something a little bit more modern for their audiences today this since this is a new title whereas some of the other 2020 slimes were much more like throwbacks yeah something that sort of stood out about this one to me is uh, the original shark boy and lava girl is set pretty much solely in like complete like cgi landscapes that just get like increasingly absurd in this most of the settings are like, just set in the real world, like, in a house or in a classroom until the very end when they get to the alien spaceship. And then it gets super slimy. It looks a lot like Sharkburn Lava Girl, but... Alien spaceship is the real world. <laughs> at this at this point in time. <laughs> yeah. The one thing about the ship that I thought was really interesting was, like, the color of it and how it was all, like, very purple. To me, it felt very much like the mission in the... One of the like the Halo games when you go into that <laughs> spaceship and you rescue Captain Keys, that mission. There was I, I got a lot of vibes of Spy Kids there where they with when they infiltrate Floop's lair and it's like this really it's like there's no real it's it's like a you're like living in a real cartoon. It's like a bubblegum pop cartoon ship. Yeah, for sure. And to me, kind of on your note, Jared, this movie did feel like it had a very video game mentality to it and how the kids moved almost from place to place and level i mean it's not level to level in this movie but the way in which the narrative moves from location to location and how they learn the different skills and learn how to work together did almost kind of feel like a video game in some way or an um, escape room at one point or an escape room <laughs> yes actually that's a, maybe a more apt comparison but i think that idea then leads into some of the more key slime house narrative tropes that i do think exist in this movie very heavily the first of which is definitely that like kids can do anything that the adults can do and that core i think is just slime to a t yeah for sure there's a second thing with that too and that's that the adults at the beginning and almost the entire runtime don't trust the kids at all and they kind of dismiss the kids and the kids have to really stand up for themselves and because originally they're like oh kids you're just gonna stay in the basement while we fix the problems but then the kids are like no we have to be the ones to save the day we can be heroes yeah i like that they use that song like at least three times referenced it i think like it, it was, was what poor mm-hmm. Bowie, man. <laughs> it was funny. I assumed that they just named it "We Can Be Heroes" as kind of like an homage or whatever. But the fact that they use it three different times in this movie mm-hmm. is at first it was like funny, but then it became to me just kind of like annoying. Well, let's give some context for our viewers who haven't seen the movie. 
there's a there's a particular superhero named acapella and her superpower is she can sing acapella really well and so her singing actually does powerful things like uh, makes dogs bark or raises a school bus or makes the bad guys shriek and have to fall down and so the song has purpose because it's her anthem and it allows her to save the day so, so she for the record she has telekinesis but only while she's singing is the way that it in practicality <laughs> how it works well, yeah when, when she sings low it just gives her like complete t- like at first she's like I can raise this ground and stuff but then yeah slowly mm-hmm. it seems like it's just fully powered telekinesis yeah she has to be hitting a low note while it occurs there is a real spectrum of how useful these children's powers are <laughs> <laughs> yeah so real quick I think we need to go down the list I think we got two ahead of ourselves and we need to kind of fill everyone in on the nicknames and powers of all of these these heroes so I just pulled up the list, and anyone can chime in. I'll, I'll say the name and the power, but if you guys have something you want to talk about with a specific hero, please do chime in. So to start, we have Missy Moreno, who is, who's kind of the main lead character of the bunch, who doesn't necessarily have a superpower, but the narrative is kind of her learning that her superpower is being a leader and being the the one who brings the team together much like her father who is the leader of the heroics next we have noodles whose superpower is that he's very stretchy and can stretch his body um very long and his arms very long kind of like inspector gadget meets mrs incredible yeah he's got one of the more useful superpowers I do want to say that to the film's screenwriting credit, all the superpowers play off or each other and are used. But yes, it is much more helpful to be elastic than say, I don't know, one of the other face ones. Face guy. Yeah, face <laughs> face guy. It's face maker. That was so that it. that leads into our next. The next one is face maker, who is a young kid who can imitate any face he wants to. He only uses this superpower twice, in, once in his introduction in the movie. Two, I don't want to give it away, but uh, he he disguises himself as somebody else to uh, penetrate the villain's security room. It's pretty. It's it's a pretty useless power. <laughs> well, well, they they pay it off well, but for most of the movie, he's just he's just doing goofy reaction shots for most of the yes. movie. He he really brought the slimo meter up. I don't think it's fair to say he only did two things because he had a lot of faces. Whether they actually did anything or not is another story. I think my favorite is his early line where he says, "The last look on my dad's face will haunt me forever." And then he does that, a face. That was funny. That was so funny. Yeah, that was good. That was probably the best joke in the whole thing. He, for for the record, facemaker the primest of child actor looks maybe that's why they maybe they cast him first then gave him a superpower second moving moving forward literally we have wheels whose superpower is that he well one of his superpowers he can't necessarily act on because his muscles are so big and strong that they crush his bones so he has to be in a wheelchair a super super powered super fast wheelchair but He's also super powered in the mind, so he's very, very intelligent. He's the brains of the operation, and he gets a lot to do. He, I think he has kind of has the most lines out of everyone beyond Missy. He's kind of like Link 
in the Matrix where he's kind of like the guy who does the tech stuff. Yeah, I liked him. He was one of the my favorite of the whole crew, and probably the most important, other than the very main girl. I I was really into the kid that uh, is very very slow, and his dad is very very fast. Yes, mm-hmm. slow mo is solo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Now, what was their reason for why he was... Because they were like... It was something like, he's so fast that he's slow. They said like, he got some... caught in a time loop. But And I figured maybe, like, one of the big redemptions at the end was they were going to figure out how to get him out of the time loop, but they never do. But they do because, thankfully, this is a team sport, and there was another pair of twins. We've got Rewind and Fast Forward, who whose powers are not equal as well. One of them can make time go backwards and one of them can make time go forwards. Think about which one's more useful for a quick second. <laughs> well, she could only go back like a little bit. Didn't she have a limit? She could, yeah. <laughs> when they work together, they have even more abilities and they actually help slow-mo, slow-go. So I had a theory watching it that I was like, oh, they're going to be able to because the whole thing is that they don't work together, like they, that they hate each other and are never in lockstep. And then you they start working together. And I was like, if they work together, are they going to freeze time and be able to do some clock stopper stuff, which was like I was kind of excited about. Um, and then it wasn't that it was something a little bit more uh, kind of non sequitur. But uh, but yeah, they, they were able to do some slowing things, uh, individual things and doing some time stuff. Yeah, and I think I think these were probably, as far as the powers go, like pretty generic powers, but probably my favorite in the movies, just because I liked kind of how like they would do the effect with the editing where it would rewind or go fast forward. Like I liked that they did that in the editing of the movie whenever they do it. I thought that was a a neat choice. Must have been written by someone who edits a lot. Well, it's Robert Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez only had a little less editing work back at the studio. <laughs> see? <laughs> it's funny, his rejected superheroes, um, L Cut and Daily Sync. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that one's for the heads. <laughs> Fast forwarding. Uh, we, there's there's still three or four more superheroes we have to get yeah, to. Yeah, we this got a few. A, huh? This is a stacked cast. So the next one is Wild Card whose superpower is that he can actually manifest any superpower he wants to. He just doesn't know how to because he can't focus. So he turns into like a bowling ball on accident because he can't focus, which is pretty impressive that he can literally do whatever he wants. And it seems kind of unfair to have a character who does that. I feel like this was kind of like, not stolen, but it was very similar to Jack Jack in The Incredibles, where like his powers oh, are unclear and he can do whatever, but like has no power over which power he does. I do think it's an interesting idea. Like I like the idea of this character. Yeah, it, it, I was kind of curious how they were going to give him the ability to control it, but it was kind of more like he just needed to believe in himself, I guess. Yeah, which I which I think speaks to the like ethos of you can do anything if you just believe in yourself which is a very slime house. I mean, it's a very children's movie, fantasy movie kind of theme, but it's repeated so much in, in, in kind of the slime house world. And, and the way it manifests is very DIY, which I think, especially you, Jasper, we talk a lot about that um, particular kind of um, ethos or like kind of like spirit, um, the DIY spirit. And I feel like Rodriguez as a filmmaker is very much like, you know, has that, kind of going for him but like i feel like that's also here in the movie with these characters and their 
arcs. I, I like the way you look at that, Jared. Do it yourself. Believe in yourself. It all kind of, you know, as a kid, you can be anything. You can be a hero. Yeah, and I feel like the things he turns himself into also sort of owe themselves to that. Like, we mentioned the bowling ball, which we've seen used, I think, as like a... A, a, a weapon in at least like two or three of these movies so far and in this as well he turns into a bowling ball that hits a guy in the foot which i feel like it was a pretty slimy slapstick gag to put in that scene i feel yeah, like I there are a lot of toasters in slime house movies oh the toaster toasters bit are... was so funny yeah i actually that was the one time i actually legitimately laughed out loud. you guys keep <laughs> saying that and the answer is there are a lot of funny things in this it's like yeah that there was are. the one but we've there made are. like three i i I digress. There's this is a I actually think this is a very fun movie beyond kind of the slime house exploration. I think it's actually quite fun. But the toaster joke, I I let out a louder guffaw than a typical um, laugh. As long as you know what you're in for, I think you're in for a good time. And you know who really knows what we're in for is is a sl- superhero named Oho because she's got an iPad that predicts the future. <laughs> Yes, she's a she's an artist who draws what's going to happen next, which is pretty cool. But she doesn't talk. She doesn't talk, so you don't quite know. I feel like it was pretty clear what her drawings were doing, but it took very <laughs> like they didn't catch on for a long time. In, in that one, in that sense, it kind of felt like a Blues Clues moment, you know, yeah. where it's like, oh, where are the bubbles coming from? Yeah, it's just, it's just bizarre. They thought her skill was just being really good at drawing, which which like, which uh, they look, weren't particularly. No, like they were fine, but they looked like a kid's drawings. Like still, like and the, the way they described her, they said she was like. I forget, they said something really like she was Monet combined with Dali and, like and Goya, and yeah. Goya. Yeah. <laughs> which now later she does draw some cool things. Yeah, she does. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to spoil anything, but you have to see it to believe it. And there's one more superhero we have to get to. And this is the daughter of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. That this is this is the one who ties the universe together. And it. It's Guppy, who's actually the youngest of the bunch, but she has the powers of both Shark Boy and Lava Girl. She can control water and make things really hot. You no, know, it's, it's she controls water in the way that Lava Girl controls lava. Yes, and then yes. she's also strong and has. Yeah, rage. she has. She has. She has shark strength. That's a. That's a specific. Yeah. Yeah. There's a specific line. Yes, <laughs> Where... and Guppy was wonderful. Oh. Like, fan favorite right here she yeah. is too much fun and i think guppy also maybe the slimiest most traditionally slimy element to the movie which i mean it makes sense she's the daughter of two two slime house legends and she she continues their legacy because just a lot of the humor with her just like having a little girl like roar like a shark i guess sharks don't roar but in this universe they do so. <laughs> sharks don't do a lot of this stuff <laughs> yeah they had a lot of humor with her being a little girl like beating up grown men which i feel like sort of had that classic emasculation humor of slime house like just the humor of having a little girl beat up grown men feels very slimy to me and yeah i love this character she even had like her own theme song which uses the same melody as the dream song in shark boy and lava girl oh yeah if you go back you'll know it you'll hear it um at one point the security guards think they can take her they're about to beat up a four-year-old 
And then they notice there are cushions on the ground, and <laughs> and they say, "Why are there cushions on the ground?" And Guppy, without missing a beat, goes to protect your butts when you hit the ground, and then beats them up and flips them onto the cushions. There was a uh, a breakdown, uh, like a stunt in VFX breakdown that Netflix released, where it's Ra Rodriguez talking about those stunts. And I was when I was watching it, I was like, so. So they just had the little girl stand there as a guy just did a flip over like like there's you know, sometimes you can tell where the compositing or trickery is. But I was like, I think truly this girl held onto this guy's arm and he just flung himself over her and onto a cushion. And then they were showing the breakdown. And that's exactly what they did. I think somebody saying Guppy is the slimiest leads into a, a, a really quick discussion. Who do you guys individually think is the slimiest hero in this movie? Well, Gubby's great, but I think the slimiest is is Face Boy, Face Maker. Interesting. My my pick is actually Noodles. I thought Noodles was so kind of just out there, and he had the same kind of like added slimy attitude. Not not like a mean spirited attitude, but just kind of like a fun extreme attitude to him. I loved Noodles. He was my favorite. For me, it's uh, this is cheating, but it's the two siblings that can slow you know rewind and fast forward. Mainly because, you know, one of the few tropes we can talk about is like the sibling rivalries that we sometimes see in Slimehouse movies. And they have that going. This is so interesting because I, we all have different ones, but I'm, I'm probably, I think Facemaker. Uh, but also, um, Wildcard has some of the bully tropes. Oh, yeah. He yeah. certainly starts very, very slime bully. Definitely. Yeah, That's a very sure. good point. He, he, he definitely reminded me a lot kind of of the bully. I don't remember his name in, uh, I think War and Peace might be his name in Sky yes. High. Yes, War and Peace. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which in, in general, I didn't really even think of this until now. This movie shares a lot of similarities to Sky High. The kids are younger, but like as far as like superhero parents, superhero school... That's like very sky high. So I watched this with with my fiance, and uh, there was a moment where I was like, "It's weird that the main girl isn't the daughter of like the the Captain Miracle guy." You know, I already forget his name, but like like that she isn't his daughter because he really seems like the superheroist of the superheroes, um, and it would feel the most impactful that she would be she would have no powers despite being his daughter. And then she goes, well, then it would just be sky high. And I was like, oh, you're right. You're totally right. This would just be exactly sky high. If it were <laughs> Which that. honestly, it's to this movie's credit that while watching it, I didn't think of sky high. How do we defeat the aliens who defeated all of the heroics? We have a secret weapon. Teamwork. Ready for battle, blood It's a good day to save the world. I feel like we're walking on eggshells with this movie because it's like the first time we've talked about something where it came out like a week or two ago. Like a lot of the trope material we could talk about is like, we want you to watch the movie. We don't want to like ruin it. I think we can talk about some of the character tropes and I'll just start by doing one and that's the kind of bureaucrats and people who are adults figures who are very sleazy and just don't believe in children at all. And um, the president of the United States kind of, there, there are a few like tongue in cheek moments where they're clearly jabbing at uh, the the a a certain president of the United States, but there are other ones where it just feels like that kind of almost like the mayor Quimby of the Simpsons, where it's just like a, a person in charge, but they're not really 
doing a very good job. And we see that a lot of the heroics at the base kind of have that and the president as well. Yeah, definitely. And and on that note as well, I think we talk a lot about the bumbling cops in Slimehouse. And there's no police in particular in this movie or specifically, but there are a lot of bumbling security guards and like secret service type guys in this movie that you know think they can take the children but the children are just so much stronger and as nelson said throw the security guards on their butts i'll tell you my favorite security guard moment they work for the government they're able to to track and tap into the kids using their watch and so they're spying on the kids as they train for their big battle and the adult in charge says like where are the children what are they doing and the security guard listens in and hears that acapella is singing a song. And he goes, ma'am, they are rocking out. <laughs> <laughs> there was another, like, true non-ironic laugh I had. Like, it was very funny. You know, the uh, on the subject of characters, I don't know that this is a slime trope, but the, like, badass grandma character. Oh, that's, that, yeah. I'd say that's, that, that's. A slime house trope. I see. We feel like we see that a lot. I do think there's a lot of validity to that kind of wise old grandparent trope. I think it, you know, leans into that kind of respect your elders. If their grandparents say it's right, then it must be right. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we kind of seen that in like uh, Home Home Alone is one where like the old man turns out to be like the source of like the the message and the knowledge, and then in Monster Squad, same goes for the old man. I feel like seeing like. The, the parents are either, like, fools or, like, struggling or whatever. And then the old people, like, 60-plus, 65-plus, are the ones who are the sources of great wisdom and all that. I feel like that's something that you see in maybe just movies in general, but I've noticed it specifically in at least a couple of these Slimehouse movies. And in Spy Kids 2, the grandparents are a very similar role where... Yeah. They come in as wise mentors for everyone. Yeah, for sure. There's a little bit of the uncle in the first one as well. And on kind of the parental note, yet again, we see a single parent in this movie. The single parent trope. It might be the most common trope we see. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. for sure. Single parent or overworked workaholic parents. We debated the Slimehouse-ness of the movie, which I think is is worth debating. But one thing that makes it feel Slimehouse is that it really is a movie for kids and, like, where kids can do anything and kind of encouraging them to, like, go out and do it. And there are a few lines that feel literally manifesting that thought out loud. In particular, there's one where they say, the spaceship feels like it was designed to be operated by children. And it's yeah. Like, there's a few lines like that. At one point, they talk about the children being in charge. There's just a lot of lines about, like, the children are stepping up. The children are the one. And I feel like that's what gives it the key slime ethos, is that the kids are having to save the adults. And even though, yeah, as, as, as Nelson said, we've sort of already sort of debated the sliminess, I do think that is such a key slime element, is that this is really, like, Kids in charge, kids can do anything. Sort of like Shark Boy and Lava Girl and Spy Kids, too. Just about, like, the power of imagination and the power of childhood. The way that shows up in this is more of like a 
you know, we've seen that in other movies where, like, you know, kids aren't listened to, but, like, it's, like, it's, like, sort of an empowerment fantasy from the kid's point of view, but I feel like this movie, it's more, like, you know, telling kids you are the future, you have the, you know, you are the future is, like, what I think of, but, like, you have the power to change things and see things differently and have new ideas, so it's a subtle difference, and maybe I'm not doing it justice, but I think the way this movie presents that kind of theme is just a little different. Yeah, I really like that. I, I think that, that that makes a lot of sense. And it's very of the moment, I would say, too, that it, it's not just like you can defeat evil, but you can use those powers for a greater good beyond that. And it, and it plays into that anti-authoritarian kind of bend that we see in a lot of these movies, too. I think, Jared, you also pointed this out, is I think one of the more key thematics of Slimehouse is um, to me, it's like, you know, for something to be Slimehouse, when, you know, from my kind of like definition, it has to have something like that where there's something that's going against the grain. And this movie has that. There's a moment where the kids have to escape the Heroics headquarters and they disguise as grownups and then Noodles at one point as they're walking through the halls in disguise, he goes, greetings, fellow grownups. <laughs> <laughs> that was another yeah. really good laugh. That was a good one, yes. <laughs> yeah, one thing I thought that was interesting about this that made it stand out, maybe this is something I've kind of noticed in a lot of the Neo slime we've watched, is a, a lot of the classic slime we talk about, there's sort of a very anti-authoritarian streak in that these movies are about kids wanting to do whatever they want and just have fun, like at the expense of everything else. Like they want to play the ultimate prank or get the school closed down or something like that. And this... And in a lot of the Neo Slime, it seems to be sort of like kids can do more than that. Kids can, like, save the world. Kids can save adults. Because it feels like in a lot of, like, a lot of the older Slime Mess, when we talk about, like, kids can do anything, it means, like, kids can throw toilet paper all over the schools. I feel like that the Neo Slime in general we've watched has been sort of more epic in scope. I feel like if this were made, like, in, like, 2002... The kids would use their superpowers to play pranks, and there'd be way more gross stuff. And like, but especially since one of the kids' powers is like funny faces and stretching, it almost like asks itself for that, and it never really goes there, which I think makes it feel very centered and sort of a neo slime version of the typical Rodriguez slime house we've seen. If we want to rescue our parents and save the planet, we're gonna to need to do it now. But we're children. The children of the heroics. Time to be a hero. I'm in. Let's do this. One thing I'll contribute to the trope discussion is we don't see too much of this, but, you know, the one line that really sticks out is that all the parents are captured. Shark Boy gets taunted at one point, and then Lava Girl's like, calm down, Shark Boy. He's just baiting you. So, like, it's it's there's the pun aspect of that, which is, slime, you know, maybe slimy. But also, I think of another movie we watched called House Arrest, where... There was a little bit of a sort of like a parental rivalry um, between like, you know, not it's not it's less about the kids. And it's more about competitive kind of like unspoken nature between the parents. And maybe that just because I think, Max, I think you're right on the money. And that's maybe why I wasn't feeling like this was like a 10 out of 10 slime is because Jared brings up the house arrest comparison. And in house arrest, their ultimate fantasy is to put the parents in the basement. Whereas in this one, the ultimate fantasy is to like rescue the parents from a huge spaceship and like, you know, save the planet, you know? So it just, the right, stakes yeah. are yeah, that uh -huh. much bigger. 
That's true. They're the, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I feel like the sympathy towards the adult characters. And not only sympathy, I mean, like, all these characters. I guess, that, like, the adults are also the heroes in this, which I think is a key difference that separates it from a lot of slime that came before. Because, I mean, even Sharkboy and Lava Girl, which the parents are, like, are, are not are not villains by any means, but they are, like, the teacher, he's presented as the villain in the movie, and the parents are just sort of fighting and just sort of a source of conflict in his life. And this, that's not really the case at all. On that note, should we have a brief sp- press pause for spoilers and get into the twist of this movie (laughs) oh yeah let's do that so if you're listening please press pause for spoilers so there it's kind of like there's a twist on a twist and uh, the first twist is that you find out that the president and the leader of the heroics headquarters played by priyanka chopra are aliens and that actually reminded me a lot of another robert rodriguez movie that christopher mcdonald was also in called the faculty the aliens themselves have this very body snatchers-esque kind of quality to them. It's sort of akin to the real world we live in where lizard people control all the powerful positions, like yeah, the government. And so so, that, so that's the first part of the twist. Second part of the twist is that Oho, the young superhero who draws these beautiful f- pictures that predict the future has actually planned out this whole entire training to train the superheroes and pass off the responsibility of their parents to the kids. So the aliens are actually helping prepare the kid the kid heroes for the real world. Mind blown. Um, Setting up for a new franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a question. You know, like... I liked the movie a lot, actually. It's hard to give plot criticisms because it's not like it's like the finest plotted movie ever. But that twist, the parents who were held there, I assume that they would be aware of what's going on and their bickering was all an act. No, I I don't think so. But wouldn't they have been kids at one time who took on from the previous generation? Am I just reading so much into this? No, the heroics, I don't think there was a previous heroics. I think it's like the Avengers where they assembled and then now they're making babies. And so this is the first time kids have had to do the training. So in essence, there's like no bad guys in this movie, is there? So like, this is something I wanted to bring up and I was worried I was not gonna be able to bring this up because of the spoilers. It's not, this isn't the first movie that um, I think pertains to this, but I think there's a subgenre of film that hasn't been defined yet besides Slimehouse, and I call it Nicecore. <laughs> and here's what Nicecore is. Nicecore is a movie where there, you know, there might be conflicts, but there's no evil. Everyone's just kind of nice. Everything kind of get resolved nicely in the end, and even like the antagonists of the movie, are, they don't do anything bad everyone just gets along i think elf has that because the closest thing there is to a bad guy in that is james can's character and you know he's a he's a good guy by the end and you know he's never does anything terrible this is just a very specific kind of movie it's just a very easygoing vibe well i I never thought i would be able to bring this up on the slime house podcast but i do remember my younger sister we'd watch a lot of disney movies where they had characters like captain hook and the evil queen and so she was very scared of bad guys 
But I remember one time we were watching a video called Linnea in Monet's Garden, and it was an animated movie all about Monet's garden. And my sister, who was probably like three or four, was like, I love this movie. There are no bad guys. <laughs> so there is a place for nice core. I think that's that's a true thing, Jared. I I, I don't know that it's that different, though. I mean, like, I feel like the first Spy Kids is a little bit in that like there 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 are definitely more clear-cut antagonists in that but like nobody's really awful or irredeemable in it and and i would say the same for shark boy the the, the original yeah uh, mr electricity mr electric he's the evil dream version of a person who's like kind of flawed but not bad i think what jared's saying is there is no bad guy in the end they were all kind of playing for the same team yeah, and no one needed no one needed to be vanquished. Yeah, this is a movie without any villain. Like the villain is all all part of the twist. Right. That's that's fair. And that's it's interesting in the Spy Kids franchise, often bad guys from the first one will come back and be part of the team in the second one. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of a Robert Rodriguez thing mm-hmm. is that he doesn't have villains. Even like Steve Buscemi you think is going to be a villain in Spy Kids 2, turns out he's not a villain. Yeah. He's just kind of a misunderstood yeah. soul. Yeah, there's, I guess, my only key difference I would say is that there's, like, the the movies that are where everyone's nice because they're deliberately making a kind movie, and there are movies like Elf. It's not like they set out to make a movie with no conflict and, and only kind people. They set out to, uh, to make a movie that happened to be the kind of movie where the villain is a flawed father. It's not Monet's Garden uh, <laughs> to me. And with that, let's let's jump into some slime scores. Anyone want to kick it off? I'm going to go with a seven on this one. I think it's got a lot of slimy elements, but I don't think it's kind of rock your sock slime. And I think that's mostly attributed to the fact that it's just a newer movie. And so it's it's kind of removed from primetime slime. And so that's where I'm going to go with. Okay. So this almost felt like to Sharkboy and Lava Girl in 3D what Casper meets Wendy was to Casper. More for a home video environment kind of vibe. At least I felt that when I watched it. Maybe it's not as theatrical as Sharkboy and Lava Girl. And, you know, I, I gave that a slightly lower score than uh, some of the other people on the show did. But I think it's not too much lower on the slime meter So I would, I'm going to agree with Nelson and go with a seven here because it definitely has the cartoony element that we look for. It has a lot of, you know, kid empowerment going against the grain themes that we look for. And, you know, it's it's definitely not like a revelation, like some of the stuff we covered in the last episode last season, like the main event. Um, it's it's a it's it's a solid entry in the Slimehouse canon. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I also gave the give this a seven. I think it's got some slimy elements for sure. And I mean, it's a sequel to what is a very slimy movie. But overall, just comparing it to that movie, it's certainly a lot less slimy outside of like the theme we've talked about of sort of the kid empowerment. There's not too much slime, like other slime tropes in this. And um, I just don't really feel like there is humor, but it's the not necessarily slimy humor and there's not that much humor in it either. It's just, I feel like overall it is slimy, but yeah, I got to go with a seven sort of just echoing what Nelson and Jared have already said. I think I I was the lowest for Shark Boy, uh, for the you know Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I think I gave it a six. Uh, so I think that by that metric, this is like a four and a half for me. Where I I think the key difference uh, is just it's such a loving movie. It's like it's really 
really earnest. There's just nothing punk about it uh, in any sort of way. And that's, I guess, a way I measure slime movies in, in for my own personal rubric. So I, uh, I think it's I think it's like Shark Boy and it's in its earnestness even more so. And then it has even fewer of the kind of trappings, the, the tropiness. I'll round it up to a five. I'm definitely the highest then. I actually I was teetering it up at a nine, to be honest, but I, I'll go with an eight after our discussion. I think a lot of the kid empowerment, you know, narratives that we all talked about really fit in that slime vein. But I think it, for me, one of the big slime factors of this is a, a lot of the aesthetics just feel very slimy to me. We talk about how like slime houses are child exploitation movies and not in a bad way, just, you know, like the genre of exploitation movie, not literally exploiting children for anyone who is still confused. This is a movie that to me very, very clearly fits that ethos of, of it's a superhero movie. It's a genre movie that is written to feature children in those roles. And so kids can enjoy that very hyper-specific genre of movie. While there isn't a lot of humor, I definitely think there's an attitude of, of sliminess to it. That said, I do think it reads a lot, not a lot, but a, as I kind of mentioned earlier, younger than a lot of the kind of the peak, more cruder slime. So I'm going to give it an eight. But yeah, overall, very fun time. I thought I had more fun with this than like some of the Marvel superhero movies. That's We Can Be Heroes out streaming on Netflix now. Go watch it. Let us know what you think. And uh, until next time, stay slimy, y'all. Slimehouse, a podcast created by Jared Anderson, Jasper Birnbaum, Max Morris, and H. Nelson Tracy. If you like this episode, you can find more fun on slimehousepod.com. Our website is created by Brian Hume of Valencia Creative Company. Our theme music, composed by Greta Russell. Support this podcast at anchor.fm slash slimehousepod or by following us on social media at slimehousepod on all platforms.